0: are lots of people now like me saying look we did obey we will pretty much obey the first series of lockdowns um but we've reached a point now nearly two years on where we just can't go on living like this where life has to go on and i think if they did try to go for a full lockdown i think the millions that would simply stick two fingers up and say we're not doing this is enormous so this is not an easy position for the government what i do expect to see are more restrictions you know i'd be very surprised if nightclubs were still open in six or eight weeks time you know i'd be very su- I'd, I'd be very surprised if some form of vaccine passport didn't start to get demanded more regularly by the way you know if i'm going to a football match i don't mind having a test that morning to prove that i'm negative But I do mind having to carry a vaccine passport when I walk into a pub. I will not do that. Uh, And I think there's a lot of people feel like me. So it's a tough one. I, I think my prediction, Nick,
1: is. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing, and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, the supply chain crisis that has engulfed the world has struck the Farage household. You have some interesting news.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to pick up a new car today, but I I, I was expecting it about about a month ago. Um, But there's a shortage of so many components that, 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 you know, even when you want to go and spend money, it's quite a difficult thing to do. Um, And of course, we've got this sort of legacy a debate oh well it's all because of Brexit but it's actually happening right across the western world and really Nick it's what you and I have been talking about now for months it's a massive increase in the money supply chasing the same number of goods it's classic 70s style rising prices and shortages and I have to say there's no sign uh, that I can see of this going away between now and Christmas If anything I think it's probably going to worsen
1: yeah, one of your readers explained to me how this this works in terms of the inflation causing the inventory shortage and the supply chain disruption and a big part of it is that you know by the time the goods are sold the price of acquiring new inventory is so much higher that people aren't making any money on the sale uh, and it causes this this you know reverse effect this reverse domino effect
0: let's move on oh, to yeah. the big story and i have to note nick you know after over 20 years um Being involved as a trader and a broker in the metals markets that the price of copper the price of copper the three-month forward contract has just gone through ten thousand dollars a ton for the first time ever it was about three thousand dollars a ton when i retired from doing it but the spot price the price if you want copper tomorrow is over eleven thousand dollars a ton and that just screams shortage and of course if we're going to be building If we're going to be building electric cars, heat pumps for 27 million houses or whatever Boris is planning for us, you know, copper is still the main conductor. So, uh, you know, a rising price. of I know we all look at oil as being the great sort of inflationary measure, but don't forget copper because it's, it's in pretty much everything we need in the modern world.
1: It would be the ultimate irony if, you know, with this electrification of everything, we end up with the 1970s story, but focused on the metals, on on copper instead of oil. Uh, it would be well,
0: yeah. And of course, and of course, Nick, you know, there's lithium and all the other things that we now need in real huge amounts, of course, to build car batteries and all the rest of it. But, but, but there's, I mean, yeah, you know, there's nothing in your kitchen or in your home that works that hasn't got some degree of copper in it. Um, uh, so it, 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 I think it's something we should put on our watch list as we have these conversations.
1: Yeah, they say history, doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme and, and this may be a good example of that. Let's move on yeah. to the big story, which is this issue of whether there's going to be another lockdown or lockdown light uh, over the winter. They've, they've gone to plan C, I noticed today from, from A and, and B. You've said in the past that you will not be complying with any further lockdowns. So what do you think is going to happen?
0: Well, I think what's interesting is we've got the British Medical Association this morning saying, ah, the government have blown it, you know, we should be going into Plan B. Plan B, of course, is mandatory wearing of face masks, mandatory carrying of COVID passports, um, and a list of other restrictions. Look, uh, the virus is spreading very, very fast, particularly in the sort of 8 to 18 age bracket. It's going around the schools like crazy. And, of course, the problem with that is that they can then spread it to their parents, grandparents, or whoever it is. So we have 50,000 cases a day. hospitalizations are up. Deaths are up a bit, although still, if we're honest about it, you know, 10,500 people a week die of something. Um, and at the moment, maybe a 1,000 a week are dying with COVID in some form. Um, so let's not underestimate it. Uh, we've also of course got the prospect of winter flu which didn't happen last year and it's this familiar cry we must protect the nhs well i'm really sorry but people have been paying taxes since the late 1940s for the nhs to protect us it's all slightly the wrong way around the government are caught in this whatever criticisms i've had of the government the truth is we've actually had one of the more liberal regimes across the western world compared to the madness of australia or New Zealand, or many other places. Um, the government are loath to follow what the BMA want, and I'll tell you why. Because their behavioural psychologists know there are lots of people now like me saying, look, we did obey, we will pretty much obey the first series of lockdowns, um, but we've reached a point now nearly two years on where we just can't go on living like this where life has to go on and i think if they did try to go for a full lockdown i think the millions that would simply stick two fingers up and say we're not doing this is enormous so this is not an easy position for the government what i do expect to see are more restrictions you know i'd be very surprised if nightclubs were still open in six or eight weeks time you know i'd be very su- I'd, I'd be very surprised if some form of vaccine passport didn't start to get demanded more regularly by the way you know if i'm going to a football match i don't mind having a test that morning to prove that i'm negative but i do mind having to carry a vaccine passport when i walk into a pub i will not do that Uh, and i think there's a lot of people feel like me so it's a tough one i i think my prediction nick is that we get um more restrictions but my big prediction is and covid's part of this we're in for a massive health crisis it's going to last for many many years to come Uh, this nhs that boris johnson tells us is the envy of the world it isn't it isn't and that's not to demean in any way the men and women that do their damnedest and work within it Uh, but it's not fit for purpose with a country whose population has risen as fast as ours is so i think i think health is going to be a massive concern over the course of this winter and You'll see more and more people opting out and and going private if they can possibly afford to. Um, And I think the cost of living. uh, And I think those two things will dominate uh, British politics over the course of the next six months.
1: It seems to me there's a bit of a transition underway where the politicians are starting to diverge from the medical experts because they're starting to understand the sorts of issues that you've raised, where compliance with an order is is an entirely different matter to what, what the order is. Let's turn and and tread very softly to the issue of vaccines. It seems to me that politicians are willing to disrupt the economy significantly in order to push vaccines, especially in parts of Europe, but also, like you mentioned, in Australia. And I think there's going to be some economic consequences from that. How do you see that playing out in, in, first of all, the economy, but also in terms of politics? Because, you know, we've got this winter of discontent, this energy crisis, this (laughs) supply chain crisis, uh, and yet we've got uh, politicians being willing to, to do damage to the economy in order to push vaccines. How's that going to balance out in terms of the political situation and the economics?
0: Uh, I mean, look, I think on the vaccines, I mean, clearly, there is a, an active minority who are deeply suspicious of vaccines. Um, but there's a fairly big, overwhelming majority that think for most people, they do make sense. Now, you could look at that another way. You know, you could say, well, two thirds of people who are dying in Britain at the moment have been vaccinated. I mean, that is true. You know, that is true. Not something, by the way, that's being advertised very widely, but it is true. But then if you counterbalance that, Nick, with the fact that 86% of adults have had the vaccine, uh, you know, maybe that figure then is not all that surprising. Um, The push, yeah, I mean, the big push now is for booster vaccines. And we were basically being threatened yesterday. We were being told by Sajid Javid that get the booster or you'll lose your freedoms. So they're pushing this very, very hard. Uh, it, it's happening right across the Western world. You know, I am not personally particularly a vaccine rebel, um, but you know, there is a danger that ten percent of the population find themselves excluded from everything, um, and that, in terms of economic activity um, and many other measures, it's a pretty unhealthy thing. I mean, look, it's easy to sit here and criticise everything government does. Uh, that that's easy to do, uh, but I think. My own take on it is that it, on balance, is right to encourage vaccines for the adult population. But quite why 12-year-olds need it, I haven't yet made my mind up.
1: What about the cryptocurrency boom that is back underway? We've heard about the the death of of Bitcoin so many times. And and I know you've stuck by it each time there's been uh, another correction. What do you make of these recent highs?
0: Yeah, I mean, these are big moves. These are big moves. Um, You know, we've got Ethereum back over 4,000. Um, Bitcoin up in the high 60s, all sorts of the other smaller speculative coins doing all sorts of strange market moves. Uh, Look, I just think that everything that comes from America, from the Fed to the big commercial payment organizations, tells you there is a wholesale legitimization of cryptocurrency that's going on. And for all the pathetic talk in this country about, you know, the Bank of England issuing their own card, forget it. It's all nonsense. Um, And I think, I mean, I think we've been, I I remember last December sitting down with Sam Volkering, uh, you know, with all the Fortune and Freedom subscribers having access to it and basically saying, look, it's mad not to have a small part of your investment in this stuff. And I'm very pleased we did that. I'm very, very pleased with it. Sure, it's been a bumpy, you know, hold on hard to your seats ride. Um, But I do think there is increasing legitimization of crypto. And and look, it's America that matters. Uh, Let's just be honest about it. It's America that matters. And I also think that it is one of the hedges against inflation. And my feeling is the reason why gold is currently doing this ping pong you know, gold goes down 30 bucks, Rand is 25 bucks. We're in this sort of 1750, 1800 trading range in gold. It's a classic trading range that gold is in right now. And 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 I don't, for one minute, uh, think you're wrong about gold. I don't, I don't think you believe in it very strongly. I just think at the moment, the short-term hot money is going into crypto as a hedging against inflation, as opposed to going into gold. And I think that explains a lot. Of what you've seen over the last few days and and but look you know it's 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 wildly speculative uh, you know i mean uh, bitcoin at sixty seven thousand. i mean in a fortnight's time it's either gonna be 87 or 47. i mean you know that's just the way that it is it ain't staying here for very long believe you me
1: you mentioned sam bulking there a few weeks ago sam and i had a, a bit of a good natured debate because we both believe in cryptocurrencies and gold but we had a debate about whether this legitimization of Bitcoin that you mention, and le- the legitimization of cryptocurrencies generally, whether that means that the, the cryptocurrency space is losing its soul. What I mean by that is that it, the idea of, of cryptocurrencies was to undermine the banking system and and the government and the tax system, and, and you know to become an international currency. At least that's how I see it. But it seems to me that Wall Street has very much you know co-opted it uh, and made it its, it's own. Um, the governments are increasingly yeah, yeah. doing so. And I just feel like, you know, the whole point was that this this wouldn't happen. Uh, the best example being that I think that the Bitcoin ETF that's launched in the US is based on Bitcoin yeah. futures. So, you know, it's it's an entirely artificial financialization of Bitcoin, uh, this creation of Wall Street. And it seems to me that, that it's lost its soul. So I'm curious what you think about that.
0: Well, look, you know, I remember, Nick, here's a little, a little anecdote. Um, you know, I was the front face of UKIP for many, many years. We were the fringe, outsiders, fruitcakes, lunatics, nut jobs. Uh, we were called everything under the sun and I used to joke about being the patron saint of lost causes and I remember in 2014, the night of the European elections, and we'd won, well, I said to my gang, I said, God, we've become respectable, I'm going to have to resign. I mean, this this is what happens, isn't it? That The challengers in all walks of life, when a challenger uh, comes into a very dominant position. Suddenly, uh, the role changes, and 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 this is the point we're making really this morning, isn't it? That no longer can you look at Bitcoin and Ethereum as being the cowboy uh, end of the market. They they're just not anymore. They are now legitimate financial products, um, and the fact there is only a certain supply of them um, in an age when, through the pandemic, government has just artificially created money on a scale that is difficult to believe uh, kind of explains why that process has happened. So yes, some of the romance is out of it. Respectability does that.